Well, good morning again. What a wonderful thing it is to see children up here declaring who God is. Man, I needed that this morning. I'm so thankful I was here for it. The title is, of course, Why Joseph? How God Uses Ordinary People to Accomplish Extraordinary Things. And, of course, our text is Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. The goal of many young people today, perhaps a lot of people, not just young people, they want to be famous more than ever before. People are doing outrageous and potentially dangerous things on the internet in order to gain attention. They want their videos, their posts to go viral on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and TikTok. There are countless viral trends, viral trends that people participate in to gain popularity on social media apps. Seems as though they're obsessed with how many likes, views, or comments they can get. Now, wanting to be famous is not a new concept, but it has been intensified due to social media. And, of course, there's always been celebrity endorsements. When a celebrity endorses a breakfast food or a, some type of product or service, that usually gains more attention in that person who supplies that service, their customer service base will go up. Even the election of the highest officials in our land can be influenced by celebrity endorsements. Now, in Joseph's day, they didn't desire prestige or fame. What they desired more is a good reputation. They wanted to be known as a man of good standing, a, a man of character. And Joseph's decision... To stand by Mary and for God was not an easy one at all. And we learn through his story that when we trust and obey God, he mysteriously unfolds his plan and purpose for us. Joseph is sometimes referred to as, quote, the forgotten man of Christmas, end of quote. The man who was chosen to be the adopted father of our Lord. The one who protect the infancy of the Savior of the world. In the word of God, Joseph stands silent. He is spoken to, he is spoken about, but not one single syllable crosses his lips. Viewed by many as this an extra in the Christmas drama. Now according to Matthew's genealogy, Joseph was a potential king. A person of royal blood, yet we know very little about him. He appears on the scene for a moment and just seems to disappear. He was a carpenter, most probably a simple but practical man. And I can imagine like Mary, he envisioned an orderly and ordinary life. He pursued his craft, maintain a good name in the community, and would attend the synagogue and raise a family. But boy, oh boy, does his plans get turned upside down. In verse 18, we see Joseph's discovery of Mary's baby. Now we have to realize that engagement in ancient Judaism was legally binding. 
They were just engaged, but that was legally binding, and it required divorce if it was broken. Sexual relations and living together under one roof was not permitted during this time. That was only allowed after the wedding ceremony had took place. But look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ says as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed or engaged to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. There had been no physical union between her and Joseph, but yet there she is, pregnant with child. It's probable that not even her parents neither understood nor accepted her story. I mean, after all, the betrothal, the engagement agreement has been made. Diary gifts have been exchanged. Everything's in the process, and now she ends up pregnant. Friends and relatives knew of the couple's plans if they're going to be married. Now, gentlemen, put yourself in Joseph's spot just for a moment. You knew this girl, Mary, ever since you were a little boy. Your family were probably friends. And now you're planning to marry this girl. The engagement has been set by both families. You are planning this wedding. And all of a sudden, she is now pregnant with a child. Remember, not only you know this, but the whole community knows about this now. Can you imagine the ridicule that she would have gotten from people in the community? How Joseph must have felt crushed, hurt, mad when he found out. Look at verse 19. Joseph's dilemma over Mary's baby. When he heard the news, he naturally would assume she's been unfaithful. But did she or could she actually commit adultery, he must have thought. I mean, after all, Mary was a godly woman and she would never have violated her purity. She would never have violated the engagement that was put forth. How could she do this? In Matthew 1.19 we read, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just or upright or righteous man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Now depending on what translation you have, just, upright, or righteous, does not seem, that does not imply or refer sinless perfection. It refers to a person who is law-abiding, upright in character, obedient and faithful to God's commandments. And that leads him to spare Mary the public disgrace of a divorce. But not to divorce Mary might represent failure to uphold the spirit of the law. Listen to this, Deuteronomy chapter 22, verses 23 and 24. If a young woman who is a virgin is betrothed to a husband, and a man finds her in the city and lies with her, then you shall bring them both out to the gate of that city, and you shall stone them to death with stones. The young woman, because she did not cry out in the city, and the man, because he humbled his neighbor's wife, so shall you put away the evil from among you. The penalty under the law was to be stoned to death. Now, he's upright. He's good in character. You see the dilemma that he's in. Joseph, to dismiss Mary publicly was unthinkable for him. He couldn't condemn her, but he couldn't fully justify her pregnancy. 
And Jewish laws typically required a man to divorce an adulterous wife. That's why he wants to do it privately or secretly, kind of at a court settlement type of deal. Can you appreciate his dilemma now? He's faithful to the law. Now his fiance is pregnant with a child. She says it's from the Holy Spirit. You want to believe it, but you're having problems with it. People constantly in your ear talking about what you should do and what you should not do. I imagine his friends gave him counsel regardless if he wanted to or not. Now I'm just thinking out loud here because the scriptures don't really tell us much about Joseph. But we have to remember this. He was a human being. Him and Mary both. They had dreams, aspirations of what their life would be like. And now everything is becoming unraveled. Then we come to verses 20 through 23. Joseph's dreams about Joseph's dream about Mary's baby. But while he thought, or while he considered about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared, or suddenly appeared to him in a dream. That word dream means to have a vision while you're asleep. What did the angel first say? Look back in verse 20 of the text. The first thing the angel tells him, Joseph, son of David. We see God's prophetic word being fulfilled. We see God's providence being carried forth. This child should be of the lineage of David. He is the house of David. In fact, though Joseph was not the physical, biological father of Jesus, by his marriage to Mary, he would give Jesus true legal status because Joseph, in Luke chapter 2, verse 4, was of the house and lineage of David. Now think about it. This guy is royalty. He comes from the house and lineage of David. David was highly revered as the best king Israel ever had. I mean, that was their heyday when King David ruled the land. That's before the kingdom was split. They look back with that rose-colored glass. Man, that was, the, that was the time. Like many of us may look back on the 80s or 70s or 60s. Man, that life was so much simpler back then. and It wasn't all crazy like it is now. But he was from that lineage. But the angel goes on to tell Joseph, look back in verse 20. Do not be afraid to take to you, marry your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. What relief that must have been to Joseph. He didn't have to hesitate to take Mary to be his wife because he knew that the Lord had orchestrated everything. Look at verse 21. She will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Interesting in the Greek there, literally, if you translate it out, for he, literally, he, he himself. The stress is on who Jesus is. He alone will save his people from their sins. You know, in Hebrew, Jesus is Yeshua, Yeshua excuse me, and it means Yahweh is salvation, or the Lord saves now, Jesus' ministry will not involve the physical liberation of Israel. Rather, it's going to be spiritual salvation by removing the alienation from God which their sins create. He's going to bridge that gap now. That's what separates us from God, is our sin. Sin literally means to miss the mark. 
You've heard it said that we should not commit murder. But Jesus says if you've looked at hatred in your heart towards your brother or your sister, you've committed murder in your heart already. Have you looked at somebody with disgust and hate? Well, let me back up. You shall not bear false witness. You shouldn't lie. Have you ever lied? If you're not confessing that you lied, you just now lie because all of us do lie. He is going to save them. And in verse 22, we have this wonderful passage. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Do you realize God is in this room with us right now? Do you realize that? You have him inside of you, the Holy Spirit indwelling you. If you're a believer in Christ, you have that in you right now. And wherever you go, you're never truly alone because God is with you. Too often, those who have contended for Jesus' full deity look at this verse. But they end up creating a God whom they don't feel close to or cannot get close to. Because he just became a human in every way like us, but did not sin. God with us, Jesus enables us to come boldly before God's throne. When we accept the forgiveness of sins that he has made available and develop an intimate relationship with him. Do you realize you, if you haven't already, you can have a relationship with God the Father through Jesus the Son. You can talk to him. You can go to him any time of the day, any week, anywhere. You'll never get this. Boop, I'm away from the throne right now. But if you, no, you don't get that. How many of you, I'm not going to turn this political, so this is very, how many of you, I don't care who the president is, how many of you would like to go to the White House in Washington, D.C. and have 10 minutes with the president of the United States undivided attention while you tell him something? How many of you would like to do that, have the opportunity to go? Only about five of you, huh? To have the president of the United States sit there in the Oval Office and you got his full attention, nobody coming in, he's not taking phone calls, everything stops and you get to talk to him. Talk to him anything about you want. Ask him a question. Now ponder this. You have access to one who allowed President Biden to become president in the first place. You have audience with one who created the stars and the moon and the earth and you. And you can go there anytime, anywhere, any place. Not based on what you could have do, not based on what you have done, but based on the blood of Christ that was shed on Calvary. You can go into the very throne room of the Most High God and he will listen to you. And he will talk to you. That's the beauty of it. God with us. In verses 24 and 25, we have Joseph's decision about Mary's baby. What happened in Joseph's life illustrates what happens to most of us. I like the way Max Locato describes this. He describes Joseph as being, quote, caught between what God says and what makes sense, unquote. 
Have you ever been caught there when God tells you something, but then there's stuff that makes sense? Tim, I, I want you to preach my word and become a pastor. Are you out of your mind? I don't like talking in front of people. Yeah, believe it or not. That's my wife sitting right back there. If I walked in this room, I'll go for the furthest corner and not say a word to any of you. Am I right? And now she can't get me to shut up and leave the room. See, what made sense to me was one thing, but what God wanted to do. And right now, I know that he's talking to each and every one of you within the sound of my voice. And he's calling you to do something, but in your rationale and your human understanding, it does not make sense. But he's wanting you to step out there and to trust him. I say it once, I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. He wants to know if you're going to be faithful enough to say, God, I don't know how this is going to work out, but here I am. Like Isaiah the prophet said, here I am, Lord, send me. Max Lucado describes Joseph as being caught between what God says and what makes sense, yet Joseph didn't let his confusion disrupt his obedience. Matthew chapter 1, verses 24 and 25. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. Look at that. I mean, he didn't have a discussion. He didn't call his friends over and say, you think I should do this? He responded in complete obedience. I don't think we need to gloss over that. I mean, think of what was going on in the community at this time. And he has this dream. And he's obedient to what God tells him. It's like we talked about in Bible study this morning, Abraham. Go back in Genesis and look at Abraham. God shows up and says, Abraham, I want you to move, but don't worry where you're going. I'll tell you when you get there. I just want you to go. Now, gentlemen, can you imagine telling your wife, hey, honey, we're moving. Where are we going? I have no idea. We're packing everything up. We're heading west. And then you're halfway through the drink. Now I want you to go south. Okay, now we're going south. This type of faith Abraham has. And sometimes I think we're guilty of this glossing over, not really thinking about what was Abraham thinking at that moment. That's what God wants from us. God is making sure that everything will be carried out to the, to the smallest detail. This baby was indeed the son of the Holy Spirit, not the son of Joseph. And in chapter 1 of, of Matthew, we see this spelled out quite clearly. Verse 18, before they came together, she was found with the child of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20 of chapter 1, that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Chapter 1, verse 23, behold, the virgin shall be with child. In verse 25, Joseph, of course, did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son. Jesus was a child of Almighty God, conceived in Mary by the Holy Spirit, and Joseph was chosen by God to be Jesus' adoptive father. And he played a magnificent role in Jesus' life. But the question remains, and the question in the title of this message, 
Why Joseph? Could you imagine being a father of the Son of God? What does that look like? How do you do that? Why Joseph? To fulfill his plan, God needed a carpenter. What I mean by that, a man who was sturdy and stable. A man who was practical, yet sensitive to God's voice. He needed a a man who would stand quietly with a young virgin who might have seemed an object of ridicule, yet carried in her room the hope of the world. Joseph was strong but, but compassionate. He was able to lead the tiring expedition to Bethlehem, to the stable, to love and encourage the mother of Christ. And as a man of the house, he would teach Jesus his first lesson of God's law. In Jerusalem, when the boy was 12, it became evident his first allegiance must be to another father. And Joseph humbly and silently stepped back and let God the Father step forward. And amazingly, throughout the entire Christmas story, we don't have one word that Joseph spoke. Not one word recorded. But yet what we have is something that speaks volumes to us, what Joseph did. There's some lessons that could be drawn out from the life of Joseph. The most important thing in the world can happen to the least important people in the world. The King of kings and Lord of lords can take up residence in the most ordinary lives. The greatest somebody who ever lived can come to nobodies like Joseph and Mary and like you and me and take up residence. If you take nothing away from the Christmas story, it's another glaring example how God takes ordinary people who love him and who trust him and do extraordinary things. We must not gloss over the Christmas story. This was hard for Joseph and Mary. We'll talk about Mary next week. But you can imagine going through that. What Joseph must have felt like. I came across an illustration I'd like to share with you about God taking ordinary people. I don't have it memorized, so I have to look at my notes from time to time, so bear with me. There was a British student. He was having a good time in England, and uh, he was studying engineering. In his spare time, he liked to ride motorcycles all over the English countryside. But on a cold and rainy night, he crashed his motorcycle in a remote section of England and laid injured on the road for many hours. By the time he was hospitalized, pneumonia had set in, and the doctors gave him two weeks to live. During those two weeks, a letter arrived from his father, who was a missionary in Angolia. The letter, which was written many months before the accident, finally arrived by ship. The young man opened the letter and read his father's first words, quote, only one life, she will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last, end of quote. These words so stabbed his heart that he gathered up his strength, pulled himself out of bed, and kneeled down to pray, quote, Lord, 
you have won. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. And Lord, if you will heal my body, I will serve you anywhere, anytime, at any cost. Well, the boy recovered and went on to become a powerful pastor and evangelist. God brought him into the position of significant usefulness through the tragedy of an accident, but most of all through the willingness to say anywhere, anytime, at any cost. You know who this was? You may have heard of him. Stephen Olford. He was born in March 1918 and passed away August the 29th of 2004. He was a champion of expository preaching. And he was a mentor to many evangelical leaders. Billy Graham called him, quote, the man who most influenced my ministry, end of quote. He was a role model and friend to pastors Charles Stanley, Adrian Rogers, as well being influential in the life of Jim Elliott, who was a missionary. He was a pioneer in Christian television program with the show Encounter, and that took place in New York. Just a young man out there living his life. But I want you to get, it's not the fact that he turned to God at his time of need, but what he said. Anytime, anywhere, at any cost. How about you? Are you willing to say to God, Anytime, anywhere, at any cost. This is essentially what Jesus said when God the Father asked him to come to earth as our Savior. Father, anywhere, anytime, at any cost. Reflecting the prophetical words of Psalm chapter 40, verses 7 and 8. Then I said, Behold, I come in the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. Mary echoed the same commitment to God after the angel announced that she would give birth to the Savior of the world. Luke chapter 1, verse 38. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In other words, anywhere, anytime, at any cost. When Joseph received the angel's message, he could have walked away from what, what made a human sense to do what God asked him to do. It didn't make any sense, but essentially what Joseph said, anywhere, anytime, any cost. Are you willing to echo those words today? Lord, I will serve you anywhere. I will serve you at any time, any cost. Long ago, that was a road to Bethlehem. Today, it's the road to victory in the life of a true believer. It's a happy day when we recognize that we don't have to completely understand everything God is doing to, compl <clears throat> God is doing to obey. God reserves us the right to give us what we need to know as we need to know it, and reveal the rest in due time. Some of the most exciting things have happened in my life when I've been willing to say yes. 
Yes, because I knew it was from God, then it unfolded. Think of what unfolded from the obedience of Joseph marrying the Lord. It's unfolded right into our hearts today. May it possible for me to say that if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can do that today because of what Jerry, I mean, excuse me, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph did was all part of the drama of redemption to make salvation available to everyone. Joseph and Mary could not possibly have known the internal things that would happen because of their obedience, but thank God they obeyed. And most of all, thank God for his most indescribable gift, and that his son, Jesus Christ, who came to be the Savior of the world, to echo the words of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. It's easy to sit and look at the TV and blame. It's the government's fault. It's the governor's fault. It's Congress's fault. It's easy to look inside a local church. It's the pastor's fault. It's the youth minister's fault. It's the music minister's fault. It's only when we let God turn that mirror to us and we say, God, here I am. I'll serve you anywhere, anytime, at any cost. That's when God can move, and he will move mightily. He's demonstrated that time and time again in human history. He's taken ordinary people who are willing to humble themselves and obey him to do extraordinary things. There's so many stories. The guy who taught Billy Graham Sunday School I mean, these stories are everywhere. We may not know the significance or the full impact of what we're doing, but one day, we'll know. And I know God's calling all of us to obedience. He's calling you. He's gifted you. He's given you talents and skill. And he wants you to use those to build his kingdom. Forestburg Baptist Church, please hear me. The last thing I'm going to say. God wants to use us in ways you can't even possibly imagine right now. It's beyond our understanding. Look around you. We're not a big church. We don't have lots of money. But God wants to do something extraordinary through us. And all it takes is you and I are willing to say, yes, Lord, anywhere, anytime, at any cost. And perhaps one day, and look back in history, what did that great awakening happen of all places in Forestburg Baptist Church in Forestburg, Texas? Don't look at me like that. It can happen. But first, we have to respond to the call. Heavenly Father, thank you for the day, and thank you for your word. Thank you for the gift of your son. And I know even now, the enemy is whispering in our ears about what we can't do and why we can't do it. Throwing obstacle after obstacle in our path. Father, help us to listen to your voice, the voice of truth. The voice that 
desires to use us to do extraordinary things. Father, I pray that your spirit will continue to move that we be sensitive to it. That we will respond in obedience. Anywhere, anytime, at any cost. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you stand?